today we are beginning a new series on the attributes of God. We just completed a series on missions. And at the beginning of that series, we noted that humanity has a doxological purpose. Doxos, the Greek word for glory, it has a, a, we have a purpose of bringing glory to God. We're designed to be in relationship with Him. We are designed to serve Him with acts of worship. We see that clear back from the very beginning of our Bibles in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2.15 it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the two Hebrew words that are translated cultivate and keep here are used throughout the rest of the Old Testament as terms for worship. Man was designed to be in service, doing acts of worship before the Lord, to be in relationship with the Lord. And as we come to chapter 3, we see that, that God is accustomed to spending time with Adam and Eve in the garden, and yet sin enter the picture. And man and woman hid themselves from God. In chapter 3, verse 8, says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And ever since then, God is all about redeeming His good created work. Back to a point where oneness can be restored. That's really the message of the Bible. That humanity and God can once again be restored so that man can fulfill his created purpose of being in relationship with God, worshiping Him, serving Him. Now, it would be logical to conclude that since we are created beings with the capacity to know God, that the more we know of God, the one for whom we are created, the more fulfillment in our inner persons we would experience, the more satisfaction we would have, the more at peace we would be. If we are created to be in relationship with God, it would seem logical then that the more we get to know Him, the more we would, in a sense, be operating in our sweet spot, fulfilling our created purpose in fellowship, in service, in worship. So, 
thus the series where we will be looking at different attributes of God, those those characteristics of God that make up who he is. In fact, we are going to focus in on what theologians refer to as the communicable attributes of God, meaning those attributes with which we at least partially share with God. We won't be focusing on His omnipresence, but we will focus on His grace or on His faithfulness so that we can get to know Him more, trust Him more, enjoy Him more. But in order to get there, we need to ask a very fundamental question, which is the question we will focus on today. Is it possible to know God? That's our question for the morning. Is it possible to know God? Theologians refer to this as the knowability of God. Is it possible? This past Wednesday, my wife and I celebrated 31 years of marriage. Well, not really on Wednesday, because Wednesday was kind of a bust for us. Have you ever had an anniversary where it really didn't seem like an anniversary? Like our 10th anniversary, we spent in a cabin with a family with eight children because they couldn't get into family camp and We took pity on them, so we shared our room in our cabin. It was not the best anniversary we have ever had. Well, this Wednesday was kind of a bust, but we celebrated Friday and Saturday. Now, after 31 years, we know each other pretty well. In fact, it's unbelievable to me how we can be driving down the highway haven't really said much for a few minutes, and then one of us will speak, and the other one was thinking about the exact same subject, totally out of context. It just We both were thinking about the same thing. I tell Barbara, we probably don't even have to talk anymore because I know exactly what she's thinking all the time. In fact, when I try to use that one, I say, you know, she's going to start bringing up a subject. I said, honey, I know what you're going to say already. You don't even have to use the words. For some reason, she still wants to use the words. I'm not sure why that that line hasn't worked. But I could tell her verbatim what she is about to say to me. Now, you would think that the more we get to know each other, the more fulfilled would it be that that every possible need within our inner person would find fulfillment in our spouse. Problem. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And the more she gets to know me, the more she can really see who she married. Sometimes there's not a lot of fulfillment in that. There's a big difference between us and God. There's not one of us in this room that can meet the deepest needs in the life of someone else. We weren't created to do that. But we were created to be in relationship with the one true God. And the more we get to know Him, the more fulfillment and 
peace and purpose we will realize in our lives. So we come to the very most basic question of our series. Is that possible? Is it possible for a finite person to get to know an infinite God? Is it possible for you and for me to actually know the one true God? And in answering that question, I want us to look at three different principles. We're going to look, going to look at several verses today because these principles are found from the old through the new and they tie all the way through our Bibles. And so we will be turning to several passages of Scripture. If you're not at a point yet where you're accustomed to using your Bible, that's okay. We've all been there. I would encourage you, if we're looking at a book and you don't know where it is, just look it up in the front of your Bible and find a page number and turn to it. If you're in the electronic age, just look down your table of contacts and find it. But we will be looking at several passages, the first of which is in your New Testament in the book of Romans in the first chapter. And this is the first principle that we want to see in Scripture. If we are to know God, God must reveal himself to us. So if we are to know God, God is going to have to reveal himself to us. When we come to Romans chapter 1, we're going to see that as humanity, we do a very good job of pushing God away, of pushing revelation of God away. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul explains that the only way for a person to be in right relationship with God is by faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Then we come to verse 18, and it begins with this little word, for. So Paul is going to explain why God saw it necessary to provide a pathway for people to get to know him, to be in relationship with him through the person of Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Because we as people push God away. We rebel against him. In the sinfulness of our hearts, we don't want to know more of him. So verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. So Paul's point is this. Yes, it's possible to know God, but on his terms. It's possible to know God, but through the path that God has made available. Because if it's up to us, we do everything in our power to push him away and to push away his revelation of himself as he provided in creation. We see the same principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Right after the book of Romans is 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 21, says this, For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God. So Paul's saying, we see it today, people are trying somehow to get to know God, but on their terms. 
I want to study spirituality. I want to get to know God through Eastern mysticism. I want to get to know God through the sciences, through human wisdom. But yet here the Apostle Paul says it doesn't work. Literally, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. So God made a pathway for us. Paul talks about it in the second half of the verse. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You see, God made a pathway for us to get to know him through Jesus Christ. Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we'll look at verse 27 of Matthew 11. Jesus is talking in this section. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. You see, what Jesus is saying is, if you're willing to accept my word, I'm going to show you God. I'm going, you can get to know the Father through me. J.D. Pentecost, one of my professors at Dallas Theological Seminary, one of my favorite professors who recently passed away, made this quote in class. And I wrote it down in my textbook. The answer to man's problem is revelation. And Jesus is saying, you can know God. God is your answer. But it's on God's terms through me. If we are to know God, God must reveal himself to us. People try to find out more about God through their choice, through their their line of knowledge that they think is best. But if we are to truly know God, it must come through God's pathway that he has provided for us to know him. Because in our sinfulness, we just push him away. In the year 2000, I spent a month in India. And during my month in India, I, I lived with five different families. One of them was a doctor, Dr. Patel. Dr. Patel wanted me to go to the office with him, so I went. And it was like no doctor I have ever experienced. I sat in his exam room with him. I guess he wasn't worried about client confidentiality. As patient after patient came in and described their ailments, every time he did the same thing, he removed one single hair out of their head. Then he would take a vial and put medicine into it, would put the hair into the vial, seal it up, and tell the patient to come back in two weeks. Interesting. It's referred to as hair transmission or homeopathic drug transmission. Now, I would hope at the University of Iowa hospitals and clinics, they're not practicing homeopathic drug transmission. It's, it's probably not considered a true path of knowledge in medicine today. That somehow 
You can take a human hair, put it into a vial of medicine, and the healing properties of the medicine would transfer into the hair and then somehow, mythically, transfer themselves over to the patient. It's it's not what we would consider in North America as a viable path of knowledge. And yet, when it comes to God, people choose all kinds of paths to somehow know God. And yet, what the Bible tells us is there's only one pathway, and that's the path that God chooses to reveal to us. We get to know Him through special revelation, through His Son, and through His Word. Now, why is it important for us when we are asking this question, is it possible to know God? Why is it important for us to recognize that if we are to know God, God must reveal Himself? Several reasons. One reason why it's important for us to recognize that and that there's one pathway to get to know God through Jesus Christ is that we have to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. When you are in a, a conversation about spirituality, in today's world, it's easy to talk about spirituality. People will sit and talk with you about spirituality all afternoon. Maybe not Jesus. Years ago, we had a political speaker coming to my Rotary Club, and I was the designated prayer that day. To which the club president came to me and said, okay, now this is a big deal. We've got a lot of reporters here. When you pray, it's okay to pray, but just leave the Jesus part out of it. You see, people will talk about spirituality. They don't want to talk about Jesus. Why? Because man left it up to our own devices. We want to push away God's revelation. But the truth of scripture says that we can know God. But on God's terms, not our terms. And God's terms is we get to know the Father through the Son. When we are talking with people about spirituality, we have to come to the person of Jesus Christ. If someone doesn't want to come with us, that's their choice. But in order to have a true discussion about spirituality, it has to come to Jesus Christ. The other good reminder for us here is that when we live in this world where people want to focus on spirituality, oftentimes not Jesus, it's easy to get sucked into this mentality that we can know more of God through alternate paths. Well, I can get to know God more through mathematics or through physics or through some Eastern mysticism or through some alternate form of revelation. What the Bible says is God is knowable, but on his terms, through what he has revealed to us, we get to know the Father through the Son. So we're asking the question, is it possible to know God? Yes. We can get to know God, but God must reveal himself to us, and he has, in the person of Jesus Christ, and in his word. Now, having 
started to answer this question. Yes, we can get to know God, not on our terms, but God's terms. There's two more principles I want us to know. The next of which is found beginning in Psalm 145. That's the first passage I want to turn to. Psalm 145 in your Old Testament. Yes, we can know God. But it's also important for us to realize that we can never fully know God. We can know Him, but we cannot know Him fully. We'll explain that as we look at these passages. As we come to Psalm 145, David, the psalmist here, is vowing to praise God every day for His greatness. Look at verse 3. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. David is saying, I'm praising God for His greatness, but I cannot, in my finite mind, fully comprehend the absolute greatness of God. Look at Psalm 147. When we come to Psalm 147, the psalmist here is praising the Lord for His greatness in sustaining His creative work and also His grace in healing the afflicted. And in verse 5, the psalmist says, Great is the Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Literally, the Hebrew words here could be translated, His understanding can't be counted. There's no count to his understanding. We cannot fathom the depths of the knowledge of infinite, all-powerful God. It's beyond our ability. Turn with me over in the New Testament to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 10 through 12. Here the Apostle Paul is again talking about the fact that we can never fully know God. Verse 10, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. What a a glimpse of hope. So that the only one who can fully comprehend God is the spirit of God. And then Paul says, but we have been given the indwelling spirit of God, and who's able to show us, to help us get to know God in those aspects of God that he's chosen to reveal to us. Finally, Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. The book of Romans chapters 9 through 11 are some of the hardest verses, some of the hardest chapters for us to grapple with in the Bible. They are hard for us to totally understand. And that's why the Apostle Paul at the end of chapter 11 has this great hymn of praise. In verse 33, he's talking about words like wisdom, knowledge, judgment, his ways. He's talking about God's work of salvation as described in chapters 9, 10, and 11. And then Paul goes on in verse 34 and says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? 
Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through whom and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, the Old Testament and the New Testament both teach that we can never fully know God. His knowledge, His power is beyond our finite comprehension. When my oldest son was in kindergarten, he begged his daddy to get him a Super Nintendo. Well, I had vowed I am not going to allow electronics to come into our home and captivate the minds of my sons. And so Grant would look at me with these big eyes, Dad, wouldn't you get me a Nintendo? Dad, we could do it together. Oh, that one really got Dad. So after seeking some counsel from some other godly men that I respected who'd already been down this pathway, I'll never forget the day I took my oldest son, who was just a little squirt at the time. We got in the car. We lived in North Dakota at the time. Drove an hour to the big town of Fargo, North Dakota, to Best Buy, and bought him his Super Nintendo. The boys still have it, by the way. And I remember walking out with Grant, carrying his Super Nintendo, and bringing it home, and me having these grandiose ideas of this quality father and son time playing Super Nintendo with him. About a week went by, and I couldn't even play with him anymore because he just killed me. I mean, he was bored trying to play with his dad. I made the mistake a couple of years ago of trying to play with my adult sons, and they might as well have been playing against themselves because they had to tell me every button to push and when to push it. And I came to this realization If there was actually an Xbox game that I could play, it'd be a lousy game. It'd be like, in my era, I think it was called Pong. Do you remember Pong? That's that's about my speed. If, if, If it was something that I could comprehend, nobody would want it. You know what? If you could fully grasp God you wouldn't want to know that God. If you could fully understand God in all of his complexities, that would mean that you'd be bringing God down to your level. And who would want to have a relationship with a God that's on the same level as us in our finiteness? Now, why is this important? Why is it important for us to recognize that we can never fully know God. One thing it does is it prevents us from getting caught up in spiritual pride. Whenever you run into a person that has all of the answers when it comes to God, it's probably a person that thinks that they have all of the answers. Probably not a person... That would be a good mentor in my life or your life. Dissonance in our understanding is a good thing when it prevents us from becoming spiritually proud. That we realize that I cannot totally explain God. It keeps God at a level much higher than you 
and me. It also reminds us that we have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, the Apostle Paul says the only one that fully knows God is the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God dwells within us and shows us God to the extent of what God wants to reveal to us about himself. Well, that requires us to be dependent on the indwelling Spirit of God. When we come to our Bible study, apart from the Spirit of God taking the words of this book and applying them to our hearts, it's futile. It's the Spirit of God who takes the Word of God and teaches us that's why when when you are in your personal time in the Word, how important it is just to start out with saying, God, please take your Word and teach me from it. Help me see, correct me, reprove me, help me see what you have for me in your Word. So we've said that we can know God, but on God's terms, not mine, through the path of revelation that God has for us, And we've also said that we can never fully know God. But our last principle that we're going to begin looking at in Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 tells us that while we cannot fully know God, we can truly know God. And that's our hope. We can't fully comprehend Him, but we can truly know Him. In the book of Jeremiah... God is bringing discipline upon the people of Israel because their following him has become all externals. They are proud because they have the temple. They're proud of their religiosity. And God is bringing discipline into their lives to help them see that he's not impressed with externals. It's the heart. And thus he says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things declares the Lord. Isn't that a neat couple of verses? God's saying through the prophet Jeremiah, I'm not impressed with the external stuff. If you want to boast, boast about knowing me, that you're getting to know my loving kindness. Literally, that's the Hebrew word chesed, that really important Hebrew word that that talks about God's loyal love. He's always faithful to his promises. He's always faithful to his people. And his justice and his righteousness. We can't fully know God, but we can truly know God. Turn with me over to the New Testament in John 17, chapter 3. John chapter 17, verse 3. And in John 17 and also in 1 John 5, we are going to see that, yes, we can truly know God through the person of Jesus Christ. In 17.3, it says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In 1 John chapter 5, the little letter that John wrote, the little epistle of 1 John right before Revelation, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, it says, And we know 
that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him as true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Yes, we can know God. We know God through the person of Jesus Christ and the Apostle John and the Apostle Paul talking in the New Testament about that that fact that it's through Jesus that we know God. Get to know Jesus, we get to know God. Now, one last passage I want us to look at is in Philippians chapter 3. And it's such a critical passage about knowing God because it's bringing out the fact that knowing Jesus Christ is not just a one-time coming to Jesus in faith for the forgiveness of our sins. Knowing Jesus Christ is a continual process in our lives that we can continually know more of Him and more of Him and more of Him. In fact, that's the passion of the Apostle Paul. In chapter 3, Paul in verse 7 talks about the fact that he used to depend on all these quote-unquote, good things that he did for God to make him right with God. But he came to a point in his life where he realized he couldn't do enough good things. In fact, all the good things that he did didn't amount to anything. In fact, in verse 8, he says, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish. Literally, in the Greek text, that's a manure pile. That's what he's saying. All the stuff that I thought made me right with God, it's about as valuable as a pile of manure. So that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, I finally came to that point where I realized that I can't have my own righteousness. I can't create my own right standing with God. I'm dependent on the person of Jesus Christ to declare me to be in right relationship with God. That happens through faith. And that's happened to me, Paul is saying. I'm now in right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. And I want to continue to know more and more and more of Him. You see, Paul goes on in verse 10 and says, That is, I'm standing in Jesus Christ's righteousness so that I can get to know Jesus more, that I may know Him. I want to know more of Jesus and the power of his resurrection. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, that same power that allowed him to rise from the grave is available to you and me to live out the Christian life. And then he goes on to say that he wants to know the fellowship of his suffering just as people hated Jesus Christ so much that they sent him to the cross, Paul says, I want Jesus to be seen in my life so much that people will treat me like they treated him. Well, how can I ever get to that point in my life? That Christ is so evident in my life. He goes on and says, in verse 10, being conformed to his death. You see, there's an interesting verse in Colossians 3, verse 3, that says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The me... The person I was before I put my faith in Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, when I put my trust in Jesus Christ, I died to who I used to be. And progressively in my life, more and more of me needs to die. 
So that when people see me, they see Christ in me and Christ in you. So Paul says, I want to know more and more of Jesus. I want to know him so much that people will see Jesus Christ live down in me. They won't even see the me anymore. He's passionate to know more of Jesus Christ. Which brings you and me to a critical question. Do I share that same passion to know more of Jesus? And if not, why not? A year ago, my wife Barbara and I went uh, to the East Coast to New England. And we spent eight days in Maine and a day in Boston, a day in Vermont, a day in New Hampshire. And uh, when we were in Maine, we read a little article that talked about the world's most beautiful hike. Well, we thought, if it's the world's most beautiful hike, we better go. I mean, we'd already eaten the world's best donut. I'd already driven 80 miles out of our way to eat the world's best whoopie pie in New Hampshire. So we might as well go on the world's best hike. We can't miss it. It's the world's best. So we blocked out a morning and we went and we did this hike that goes from Rockport, Maine to Camden, Maine. And I have to say it's probably the world's most beautiful hike. It was gorgeous. We'd walk by these beautiful New England homes with flower beds just covering their whole front yard. We then would walk past a little bit of the Atlantic, and then we came upon this historic farm that uh, was one of the first to raise registered belted Galloway cows. You know, the Oreo cows that we see. And so we're walking, we see this beautiful New England cottage, we see the Atlantic Ocean, we see some belted Galloways, we see some more ocean, we see some more cows, and the best of all, we ended up in Camden, Maine at a bakery. It's got to be the world's most beautiful hike. Now, you know what's always surprising to me? When you can go out and hike like that, and then I go down to the Y, and there's people walking on treadmills. Now, explain that to me. Why walk on a treadmill? Now, I can get it like in January and February. There's six inches of ice. It's 35 below zero. We fear for our lives. I can understand that. But why in June? Why walk on a treadmill when... You can possibly go on the world's most beautiful hike. You know, we can ask the same question about our lives in general. Why am I not seeking to know more and more of the person of Jesus Christ? Well, for me, way too often, it's I'm too busy on my treadmill. And I don't really know how much I'm missing out. I'm too busy worrying about all this stuff in my life that I can't control. I'm too worried about my kids that I can't control. I'm too worried about this or that. Or I'm trying to work harder or do this or do that. And we find ourselves on this treadmill getting spiritually worn out, missing out on what the Apostle Paul is passionate for in Philippians 3, knowing more of the person of Jesus Christ. So today is the beginning of 
a series on knowing God, who he is. And it's important for us as we start out this series, getting to know more of God, that we are cognizant of the fact that, yes, we can know him. Through the person of Jesus Christ, through his word, we can never know him fully. And that's a good thing. It keeps us from getting caught up in spiritual pride. But we can know him truly. And experience that for which we are created. And it's an experience that we can have now and not just someday when we are with him. That we progressively more and more can get to know more of Jesus Christ and experience the joy and the peace and the ultimate fulfillment of being in close communion with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word and ask that you would help us, that you would give us a hunger for you, a hunger for your word, a thirst like the Apostle Paul has to know more of Jesus Christ. Help us to recognize when we're on the treadmill, when we should be enjoying you, getting to know more of you, experiencing more of Jesus lived out through us. Give us that passion and hunger to know more of you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.